This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, November 4th, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. After more than a year of bombing in Syria, President Obama says he'll now send advisors there. Historically, such a move has often preceded a deeper military engagement. Gene Healy, vice president at the Cato Institute and author of The Cult of the Presidency, discusses how the president decided he had the power to involve Americans in another foreign war, all without any congressional approval. The president has sent advisors to Vietnam, I mean Syria, and what authority is the president relying on? In the the same the same authority he claims to he's been claiming to rely on uh, since the summer of 2014, when President Obama launched our latest war in the Middle East against ISIS. Uh, that's the uh, now 14 years old 2001 authorization for the use of military force that Congress passed three days after 9/11. Uh, on Friday, uh, despite the president's uh, promises repeatedly over a period of about 15 months that we'd have no boots on the ground in Syria. Uh, We got boots on the ground in Syria. Uh, A limited, modified uh, deployment of uh, several dozen U.S. special forces who the White House insists are not in a combat mission. They're an advise and and assist capacity. But uh, 10 days ago in Iraq, in an advise and assist mission, uh, a U.S. soldier, Joshua Wheeler, died breaching a wall in a hostage rescue mission. And Defense Secretary Ashton Carter praised him for running to the sound of the guns and said, I expect we'll do more of this kind of thing. So it can be tough to tell the difference between what they're calling an advise and assist mission and a genuine combat mission. The discussion about stretching these AUMFs well beyond their what should be their breaking point hinges in part on this idea of a continuing threat. That is, the idea that somehow ISIS is tied to the regime of Saddam Hussein or is tied to al-Qaeda. The claim has mainly been that the 2001 AUMF, uh, which was passed uh, right after September 11th to go after al-Qaeda and the Taliban, that that's the main basis for their authority. They have at other times claimed the uh, 2002 authorization that was passed to uh, uh, authorize President Bush to wage war in Iraq, but their main claim has been the 2001 AUMF. In fact, on Friday, uh, the White House press secretary, when he was asked, does the president have the legal authority to put U.S. forces in Syria, uh, the, the press secretary, Josh Earnest, said, uh, the answer is that is simply that Congress in 2001 did give the executive branch the authority to take this action, and there's no debating that. But in fact, there is a debate about that. There's the debate's mostly not happening in Congress, uh, which has been pretty feckless uh, all along. But the central proposition that this uh, a the authorization for the use of military force that Congress passed. Uh, uh, shortly, you know, 14 years ago, shortly before Steve Jobs unveiled the first iPod, that this authorization still has enough life left in it to authorize an entirely new war against a very different enemy is something that uh, we can and should debate because 
it's a ludicrous claim. So should, in order to replace these AUMFs that have been stretched beyond all recognition, should we replace those with some sort of ISIS-specific AUMF, even though we don't have known territories or even clearly identifiable forces necessarily? Well, that has been Senator Tim Kaine's argument. Uh, he's uh, one of the few in uh, a, a, an atmosphere that's not exactly characterized by profiles and courage. One of the few uh, people in Congress who's taken a lead on trying to pass an ISIS-specific AUMF. And, you know, I admire his efforts. And at one time, uh, I would have uh, thought that, uh, that passing a specific authorization might be worth trying. At this point, I'm not at all so sure. Uh, the problem is that any resolution that could pass at this point seems likely to only expand the president's war powers even further. Uh, if you look at the uh, uh, five months ago, uh, Senator Kane and Senator Flake uh, collaborated on a uh, ISIS-specific authorization, and uh, it had some provisions that were uh, worryingly broad. Uh, uh, it, it empowered the president to use the armed forces of the U.S. as he determines necessary is necessary and appropriate against ISIL or associated persons or forces. The associated persons or forces are fairly broadly defined. And keep in mind that under the original AUMF, which does not even have a provision for associated forces, uh, two administrations in a row have turned it into a, an all-purpose sort of enabling statute, a permanent delegation of Congress's war powers to go after a host of groups that uh, are increasingly far removed from anything that con Congress targeted uh, back in 2001. But when you get to the point where the 2001 authorization for the use of military force is being invoked against ISIS, uh, you've got something that's not only debatable, but uh, uh, extremely hard to support. Uh, you just take uh, the, the notion that ISIS is the same enemy uh, targeted in 2001 uh, really can't stand up to scrutiny. It just, uh, let me give you an example of two headlines from, from this past summer that, that st stood out to me. One from the International Business Times, quote, ISIS beheads leader of al-Qaeda offshoot Nusra Front. And uh, around the same time from the Daily Beast, General Petraeus, use al-Qaeda fighters to beat ISIS. So you could get the sense that uh, this is not at all the same enemy as the, the uh, enemy that uh, Congress targeted in 2001. It's an enemy that not only is not associated with al-Qaeda, but is in open warfare with al-Qaeda, and on top, of the, on top of which, this is not some limited uh, short-term operation. The Army Chief of Staff uh, said not too long ago that ISIS is a 10- to 20-year problem. Uh, one of his co colleagues said, uh, General John Allen, said that uh, defeating ISIS would likely take a generation or more. Uh, and the administration's, in, in, in the face of all this, the administration's position is that there's no need to debate authorization for a war that could last uh, up until the year 
2035. The notion is that Congress already had the debate back in 2001. They had they had their vote essentially, and it's one Congress, one vote, one time. Is there any appetite, or do you suspect there will be any appetite for Congress to simply sunset or phase out or out, outright repeal these authorizations? What you would want to see if you uh, had an ISIS-specific uh, AUMF, which again, I am not sure at this point is the most prudent idea, it would be only be worth it, I, I believe, if you phased out the 2001 AUMF um, for a tighter, more narrowly tailored authorization. Uh, but because if you look at what's happened uh, to that 14-year-old uh, authorization, uh, the president now has invoked it. He's got us in with ground troops in, in three combat zones under that authorization, 5,500 in Afghanistan, 3,500 in, in Iraq, and now the beginning of what's, for all in, intents and purposes, a ground combat force in Syria that may get bigger. Uh, at the same time, he's bombed at least seven countries and launched eight times the amount of drone strikes as President Bush authorized. And all of this is justified under this 14-year-old 2001 AUMF. The only people I've really seen make an issue of this on the presidential stage are Jim Webb and Rand Paul. And, and not many other candidates are willing to say uh, that there is an issue of the executive power here. And neither Jim Webb or Rand Paul are uh, exactly lighting up the scoreboards in, in this race. Uh, Webb's dropped out with a, a threat to run as an independent, but didn't get much traction in the Democratic field. Uh, Rand Paul is having his difficulties in the Republican field. And uh, so, yeah, in a way, it's uh, you can blame the president, and you should. You can blame Congress, and you should. But it comes down to uh, the public appetite for a renewed debate is something that uh, it seems clear that we're only going to get a demand for uh, the debate we should have had uh, after the damage has already been done. Gene Healy is a vice president at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to this and other Cato podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, and with our new iOS app, Cato Audio. Learn more at Cato.org.